0: Well church family, we wanted to bring you out to the property and let you know that we've really enjoyed the services uh, and the series going through our relationship series called It's Complicated. And I thought this would be a great place to, uh, to shoot this uh, sermon because I believe that there are a lot of you uh, sitting at home and, uh, and maybe you've had some conflicts over the last uh, couple of days, maybe the last couple of weeks and uh, we're going to talk about the first couple and the conflict they had with God and each other, and even Satan. I think it'll be uh, an encouraging message, and this is our final message in this relationship series. We've been strengthening and simplifying life's most important relationships, and today we're in Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. Uh, We're going to contrast the fallen state of man with the new nature that God offers and the grace and the healing power that He gives to all of us. You know, 3,000 years ago, uh, David described the gift of grace and healing in Psalm 103 1 through 5. It says this Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits who forgiveth all mine iniquities, who healeth all my diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, and thy youth is renewed like the eagles. And uh, when I read that this last week, it really encouraged me to know that God is the God that heals, and God is the God that restores, and God is the God that forgives but you might be sitting at home and watching this wherever you might be and you might be asking yourself well what happens when I don't feel like blessing God's holy name what happens when I don't feel like everything good is happening around me Uh, what happens when I I'm glad that God forgives me but I can't forgive myself Uh, what happens when I feel like everything surrounding me is chaotic and not so good what do I do then And the reason that everything seems so wrong in our world is because of the fall of man, because of sin. I've had a lot of people ask me, why would God allow people to die from this horrible disease of COVID-19? And I believe that the answer is that God did not design our world with with disease and and with these ailments. And uh, from a very young age, we are taught that a fallen world brings destruction. Uh, we, are, we are taught that, that things fall apart. And in fact, there's a hill behind me. I, I think of the, uh, the, the little rhyme, Jack and Jill went up the hill to catch a pail of water. Jack fell down and broke his crown. That's talking about his head, kind of morbid. Um, and, and then Jill came tumbling after. Um, some of the rhymes that we hear uh, as children are a little bit troubling like the one that says it's raining it's pouring the old man is snoring he fell out of his bed and bumped his head and did not wake up in the morning that is troubling Uh, there's also one that says rub-a-dub-dub three men in a tub we're not gonna go over that one Um, there's a lot of of different messaging to our children but one that I think makes a lot of sense biblically is Humpty Dumpty Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall Humpty Dumpty had a great fall Say it with me, kids. And all the kings, well, I don't remember it. All all, all, all the uh, Humpty Dumpty had a great fall and all the horses and all the king's men could not put Humpty Dumpty back together again. You know, uh, kids, let me just teach you a a good lesson. And that is that that Adam, uh, he was the first one to fall. He was the first one to sin. We all carry that trait. We are all sons of Adam. We are all daughters of Eve. And so it's important to understand. Now, uh, my son told me a joke once, and he said, Dad, did you know that the first Adam bomb was in the garden because Adam bombed? Uh, I I don't know if that's true or not, um, but I thought it was a quality joke enough to tell this morning. And so Genesis chapter 3, if you have your Bibles, open it up. And uh, I want to read the first three verses. It says, Now, if you're sitting at home and you're thinking, now, who is the snake and why is the snake talking? And there's lots of questions about this passage. And I want to just sum all those questions up by saying that the snake represents everything subtle, but deadly. We have learned very sadly that there are some silent and subtle, but very deadly things in the world. COVID-19, you cannot see it. You do not know when you pick it up, but it's very deadly. Sadly, there are, are some people who have misunderstood uh, some things that, that the government officials have said, and they've actually um, taken in their body things that sounded like chloroquine or things that sounded like one thing, but they were actually something else. There was a lady who passed away this last week because she she drank some uh, some cleaner for her fish tank that that had a very similar name to a drug that that is hopefully going to help us uh, with a cure to the coronavirus. But lots of people have died because of misunderstandings, because of things that were subtle, things that were unseen. And often in life, things that are subtle often trip us up, and they are our greatest enemies questions that are surrounding God's truth are sometimes subtle sometimes we cannot understand uh, a truth and so therefore we we go on and we sin sins of omission and, and sins of commission as well but questioning a truth that God has settled in our heart brings a conflict a conflict between what God is saying and what we are believing and Satan knows how to set us up and to trap us and to, and to distort the view of God's word and our view of who God is. And so here's a key thought before we begin. And that is that every conflict in the world is God's reminder that we still need him. Whether it's a conflict with our health, whether it's a conflict in our marriage, uh, whatever it is, whatever the conflict is in your, whatever you're conflicted about, that's a reminder that you need God. God has brought conflict into the world to refocus us on what's most important. So there are two stages of every conflict. There's the self-focused stage and there's the grace-filled stage. sadly, most conflicts never make it out of the self-focused stage to the grace-focused and the grace-filled stage. That ends today because I wanna transform your thinking about conflict. And I wanna give you some goals uh, for for really going through this difficult conflict of this COVID-19 trial that we're in. This is a test. This is something that can make us stronger. And so today I want to expose the enemy's emptiness of, of a self-focus. And I also want to express the hope that is found in being grace-filled in your heart and in your life. And so uh, those are our two goals. So, number one, I want to expose the emptiness of being self-focused. Now, um, there are two reasons that being self-focused kind of leaves us empty and 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 wanting more. Uh, first, is an unchecked pride. It's it's the pride in our heart, and then also is unfiltered fear. Both of these things are actually in the passage today. Now, let's look at pride because letter A in your notes. uh, Pride is a self-focused passion. That's all it is. It's a self-focused passion. Verse number four, the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day that ye eat thereof, your eyes shall be opened; Ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise and she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband and he did eat now there are three results of pride in any relationship and and I want to give these to you just from verse 4 5 and 6 4 5 and 6 uh, first pride downplays the consequences of being self-focused really has God said this is this something that God has said that's the 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 angle that Satan was taking. Of course, we know we believe that Satan inhabited this serpent, and he was talking to Eve through this serpent, and and, and he was he was trying to get her to question the consequences that God had put in place. And, and then the next result of pride, and in, in relationship, is pride attempts to take the place of God in order to remain self focused, and and he said. God knows that when you hear, when you eat this food and you get this knowledge, you're going to be like him. Well, Adam and Eve were already like him. They were already made in his image. And so he was tempting them with something that would, that would possibly make them greater. And then pride pursues a superior knowledge and position uh, for a greater focus. Uh, She saw that she could be made wise, that she could be made greater that is what happens in a relationship. That is how pride can start to deteriorate any relationship. And so pride gets into a relationship. But why is it so dangerous? Why is pride one of those really subtle but dangerous sins? Well, because pride blinds us. Pride blinds us. Pride in verse number six, uh, uh, assume, pride uh, assumes a complete perspective and in verse number six Eve just thought well you know this is this is my perspective and this is what I'm going to do pride forgets everything that is good uh, that is from God and everything he has given all the trees he had given and and Satan wants you to focus on what God has withheld from you not what God has given to you pride desires to receive something better without God and that's exactly what Adam and Eve desired They wanted to receive something that God had said, I want to be your source of wisdom. And so they said, no, we want to be our own source of wisdom. We want to define good and evil on our own terms. And so they desired to make themselves wise. Now, as I was studying this week, I I came across that, that phrase, to make one wise. What do you think that means? What's well, the Hebrew word, sakal? It's actually throughout the Old Testament. And it's to be prudent, uh, to gain insight, uh, to have success or prosperity. Um, but it's actually to show uh, discernment and understanding. I think it's interesting that Adam and Eve wanted discernment to make wise decisions. And as they were searching for discernment, they actually made one of the most foolish decisions that has ever been made. And so in our search to define good and evil without God, we often make foolish decisions. And so we're talking about a conflict with God. We're talking about a conflict with Adam and his wife we're talking with a conflict with Adam and Eve and Satan, God and Satan. The, this passage is filled with conflicts and and so why is pride the source of conflicts? We know uh, in Proverbs 13:10 that only by pride cometh contention, but with the well-advised is wisdom and and, and that wisdom is what knows what's wise in any conflict and, and, and when to use grace in a conflict to diffuse it or when to use truth in a conflict to use it. And, and, and conflict is is not a problem with wisdom. It's, it's, it's a tool that can be mastered. But when she took of the fruit and when she gave it to Adam, she now created a conflict between Adam and Eve and God. Now, She took of the food, the fruit, and she gave it to Adam. Now, husbands, I just want you to think about this. This is still happening today. Uh, When Danielle and I uh, try to go out to a restaurant, oftentimes I will ask her, where would you like to eat? And she says, I'm fine with wherever. Now, guys, you know where this is going. And she says, I don't care. You pick and the moment i pick she wants something other than what i pick. no anything but there you said anywhere you said anywhere this is still happening the the wives pick the food they give it to us and we eat it this has been happening from the very beginning of time husbands okay just let the wife pick the food and you will eat. You know, pride creates these conflicts, and when pride is the, is the motivator of any conflict, it's very unproductive, very, very difficult to navigate. So how can we have humility? Well, here's the key thought. Humility is the realignment of what's most important in your life. Humility is the realignment of what is most important in your life. And this is why Peter said in 1 Peter 5, in verse number 5, uh, Be subject one to another, be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. You want grace? Be humble. And then he says, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, and he shall exalt you, that he may exalt you in due time. And then this is a verse that I would encourage all of us to memorize during this time. 1 Peter 5 7, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. See, humility is what brings life to any relationship. It is humility that allows us to get past our conflicts and to start to grow a relationship with God and with man again. So I said there are two issues since the fall pride, that's the first but then fear. Now, if you could just lean in for a second or, or maybe, maybe turn this up for a minute because fear, letter B, is the realization of frailty. And I want you to see in verse number seven through verse number 13, the frailty that is made known to Adam and Eve. It's the same fear that we're facing right now as a nation. Verse number seven says, and the eyes of them were both opened, Uh, The word for eyes being open in verse 7 is is the word where we get paradigm from. Uh, It's the Hebrew word that means to take an account. It's the actual word that means muster, uh, to gather, to take an account of, uh, to be able to account of expenses or, or, or to gather concern. That's the thought. Their eyes were open. Now they could gather concern. Now they could really understand what was, what was wrong with their world. Now they really could understand how naked and, and how ashamed and, and how frail they were. And so their eyes were opened. And, and what did they do? They knew that they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together. They made themselves aprons. And then they heard the voice of the Lord. It's interesting to me that that their fear affected their relationship with God. Let me just tell you something. God made you with fear, but God does not want your fear to become a wedge between you and God or you and what he wants you to do. If you're sitting at home and you're crippled by fear, let me just tell you something. That fear in any relationship will bring these results verse number seven, we see they, they they sewed fig leaves together. In the Bible, this is a picture of excuses. And so fear motivates excuses. We'll hear a lot of excuses in verse number 12 uh, and 13, or verse number 11 through 13. Uh, fear motivates a cover-up. That's what they were doing. They were covering things up. In any relationship, when we're afraid, we cover things up. We, we, we hide. Uh, we conceal things. And so fear motivates excuses, uh, defending, distracting. Fear motivates a cover-up. And then ultimately, in verse number nine, we, we see that fear motivates withdrawal. Now in this time, I talked about connection last week because we cannot withdraw from our relationships, even though we're in our houses and we're not seeing people face to face right now. We're keeping our distance, friend. We need to be close to God and close to others and close to our family members. Uh, How terrible would it be if we came out of this time and and, and it really was was the detriment of our closest relationships, not the growth of our closest relationships. I believe that God has given us a, a wonderful time time to work on our relationship with him, to work in our relationships with others. And friend, this is a great time to do that. Don't withdraw. Uh, To withdraw or withstand in any relationship is to eliminate the effectiveness of of any relationship. You see, time has never healed anything or anyone. Uh, It is what seals you. It's not what heals you time is something that's used uh, just to try to wait and and hope that it will go away and friend let me just tell you something and here's a key thought from this point that the only way to resolve a conflict in your life or with God is to gracefully address it. Because God has made us to go through difficulty, not around difficulty. And God has made us to go through the valley, not around the valley. You see on the other side of the storm uh, is a a rainbow. And on the other side of the valley is a mountain. And God wants you to know that there is something that he's wanting you to go through so that he can put something in you so that he can use you in a greater way. Now, uh, many of us are not in traffic. One of the greatest things to illustrate difficulty is traffic. And uh, in, in 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 traffic, when you are alone, you have to stay in the slow lanes. But when you have someone with you, you can be in the blessed HOV lanes. Can I get a witness, okay? Uh, now, you might think that HOV stands for High Occupancy Vehicle. My friend, no. HOV stands for Hurry or Vacate. Because if you are in the HOV lane, you want to get somewhere uh, in a hurry. And there are fines for those who want to go in a hurry, but they want to go alone. Can I just tell you something? That if, it, if you want to go further, faster, it will never be alone. That you will always need those around you. You will always need the grace and the enabling power of God uh, to, to lift you up. And, and, and that relationship is what will fuel you. And so God created a fast lane for relational connection and growth. And you know what it's called? Here's the good news. It's called conflict. God created you, To deal with issues with his boundaries and his way how do we do this with humility but also with truth with truth you know if you're humble enough to say something loving if you're truthful enough to say something that's needing to be said I believe that God can use that but when we decide to live relationships without conflict without truth without humility and we start doing things without those people just because we want to avoid the conflict we start to lose the connection and the relationship that we had in the first place i want you to see this in verse number seven they knew they sowed they made in verse number eight they heard they hid they stayed in the trees and all of this was without god they had started to live after they took the fruit without god and every time we live the way that God ne- has not designed us to live, we start to do things without God. And we start to create a conflict with God that then leads to conflict with others. And so can I ask you the question that God asked to Adam and Eve in the garden? Where are you? He, the first thing he did to, to initiate that conflict was he said, Hey, Adam, where are you? Can I just ask you, where are you at with God right now? Where are you at with this whole crisis? How are you doing with it? Have you found yourself uh, just feeling like you're hating this moment? Or are you capitalizing on it? Are you ignoring it, hoping that it will just go away, hoping that you don't catch it? Or are you uh, wanting to engage it, wanting to grow through it? Where are you at with this? And and when we have fear, we, 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 we hide, we, we withdraw and and fear is, is this thing that, that was developing in the heart of Adam and Eve. And and they heard in verse number 10, the voice of God in the garden, and they were afraid. Uh, Adam said, I was afraid because I was naked and, and I hid myself in verse number 11. God said, who, who told you that you were naked? Who told you that? And see fear grips us and it grips us in this way. in verse number nine and 10 um, they they saw something, they heard something and it was terrifying to them. in, in verse number 10 and verse number 11, um, they thought something, they were afraid they so they heard something, they saw something and then they thought something and and then in verse number 12 and 13 they did something. Now, we, are, we have been seeing and hearing things that are completely terrifying. And we have been thinking thoughts that are terrifying. But let me encourage you that our choice, we do not have to do something that would be terrifying to our relationship with God. You know that, that in, in the moment of, of their fall, Adam and Eve did some things that I know they regretted. It was fear that gripped them. It was a problem. They were afraid. And so what is the point of fear? Why is it so wrong? Why is this such an issue? Well, when we are afraid, we develop a desire to protect ourselves from vulnerability. And when we are operating uh, from a soul motivating factor that that we don't want to be vulnerable and we want to be distant and and, 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 and we want to defend, then we become insecure. And insecure people are the most controlling people in the world. It is pointless to focus on relieving our fears without focusing on the beliefs that's driving them. And so he said, who told you? Who have you been listening to, Adam? But God did not stop there with the questions. In fact, he asked, what have you now done? In verse number uh, twelve and thirteen, he he asks, "What have you done?" and 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 she starts to talk about her listening to Satan and her uh, disobeying his command not to eat of the garden uh, of the tree that was in the midst of the garden. Uh, and I want to just tell you that there's another virus that is so much more deadly than COVID-19. Uh, there's a virus that no one uh, has ever seen. And that no one has the the cure for but Christ, and it's the virus that was passed down through Adam and Eve to Moses, to uh, the the your father, your grandfather, and then to you. And in Romans chapter tw- chapter five, and verse number twelve, it says, "Wherefore, as by one man's sin entered into the world death by sin, so death passed upon all men for all his sin." You know, sin is the real thing to fear do you know sin is the virus that has taken over all of our hearts and the wages of sin is death and i want to tell you something that that death is separation from god uh, in 1918 we've heard about the spanish flu a lot recently because this pandemic uh that that pandemic mirrors this pandemic Uh, but one thing that they did that was really interesting was if you were quarantined You were in your house and and there was a quarantine situation. You had to take a white cloth and tie it around the doorknob of your home to say that there's someone inside who's sick or there's someone inside who's been quarantined. And I want you to know that in this moment, we might not tie white flags or or white rags around our doors but I want you to know something that in this moment we need to wave the white flag of surrender and to say that regardless of what happens with this physical ailment that we have a spiritual ailment and it is something that has to be changed you know if you are sitting at home and and you are sitting there thinking what is the cure for my sin what is the cure for 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 the wage that I I must pay that's death and it is the gift of God you see the rest of that verse that I quoted in Romans 6:23 the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord I think we have some uh, that are watching this and they need to know what John said you can know that these things were written that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life you don't have to guess friend you can know that and whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Friend, if you do not know that, I would encourage you the cure for sin. Adam and Eve sinned, they fell and they brought so much devastation and so much darkness into this world, but there is a light and his name is Jesus and he wants you to receive him as your only savior. You see that we would love for someone to come in uh, with an antidote to the coronavirus, but let me tell you, there's a bigger problem and it's sin and Jesus brings the antidote and the antidote is the cross and so we want to talk about grace. And the grace that he gives, you see, I've exposed uh, the self-filled life. It's full of fear. It's full of pride. But I want to now express the hope of being grace-filled in any relationship. And it's found in verse number 14 and 15. I want you to look at this in your Bibles. Genesis 3, 14 and 15. Letter A, there is hope in knowing the curse. You say, man, that just doesn't sound right to me. I want you to see this. When God told Satan in verse 14, thou art cursed above all upon thy belly shalt thou go and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. He was saying the curse has come, but the cure is coming. Friend, the cure came with Jesus Christ and the cure came to fix our problems. You see a lot of conflicts in marriage and a lot of conflicts in the workplaces. someone trying to assign blame and instead of fixing the blame, Jesus says, no, I've come to fix the problem. And Jesus came to fix our sin problem. And knowing the curse, knowing what's wrong with this world is part of the hope because if it's sin, friend, then sin can be forgiven and God can give the cure. And so let Letter A, there's hope in knowing the curse, but then not just knowing the curse, but knowing the cure was on its way. And so, letter B, there's hope in knowing the cure. Friend, next week we're going to talk all about this cure. We're going to talk all about the hope in Jesus Christ. But in verse number 15, as God is giving judgment to Satan, as God is giving judgment to Adam and Eve, He also gives hope in the midst of that judgment. And He says in verse number 15, I will put enmity between thee and the woman and thy seed. In uh, her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thy, thou shalt bruise his heel. Let me just tell you something: that the devil might still be in the bu- business of biting people's heels, and he is. But Jesus has already crushed the head uh, of Satan on the cross. And next week we're going to talk about how he defanged Satan with the empty tomb. But I want to tell you that Jesus is the cure for every conflict, not just relational conflicts on earth, but also relational conflicts with heaven. You can be close to God in my life verse is first second Corinthians 521 it says that he Jesus was made sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him we have the promise of winning with God winning in our relationships with others but we must come to him into his cure and rather than go over this with my own words I actually would like to use the words of the Apostle Paul. I would like to use these words, and then I want to illustrate it, and we'll be finished. In Romans chapter 5, it talks about how the curse came through Adam, but it continues. And this is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. In Romans chapter 5, in verse number 14, it says this Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression. You may not have sinned as great as Adam sinned, but this, who is the figure of him that was to come? Adam was the figure of humanity. And there was another person who came as humanity, but he did not bring an offense against God. See verse number 15 says, but not as the offense. So also is the free gift for it through the offense of one, Many be dead. One person infected all of us with the curse of sin, but much more the grace of God, the gift by grace which is by one man Jesus Christ and hath abounded unto many. A little bit later it says that moreover the law entered that the offense might abound where sin abounded grace did much more abound. Friend there's hope in Jesus Christ and every issue in us and around us is a result of sin and it has brought to us, uh, this curse and all of these things that remind us of our frailty but Adam and Eve they brought that frailty to us but Jesus brings us strength Jesus brings us promise and so here's the takeaway from today and then I'm going to ask uh, for, for my final illustration and that is this we must exchange our pride and fear for hope and faith Let me say that again we must exchange our pride and our fear with our hope and our faith faith in what by trusting God for what he says over what we feel and what we see let me say that again how do we how do we exchange our pride and our fear for hope and faith we do this by trusting what god says over what we see we might see the world getting worse and worse in fact timothy tells us that it'll wax worse and worse but let me just tell you something we can believe what he says and what he says is we've already won what he says is he's already conquered sin satan and the grave and what he says is we can have hope in him and so friend if you're listening to the sound of my voice and you're hopeless let me give you some hope that what you focus on matters, and if you focus on trusting what God says and His promises, friend, I will guarantee you that you'll have hope, that you'll have faith. Let me let me just explain it this way. I have a bullhorn here, and we used this at the property uh, a few weeks ago when you guys came out. And, and uh, we, we uh, prayed over this property, and we're so thankful for it, and to have so many acres, to be able to build uh, this uh, wonderful, uh, a wonderful building one day, and see God bless. Uh, but this, this uh, megaphone is uh, powered by batteries, and when you speak something into it, what comes out on the other side is magnified. It's louder. Let me just tell you something, that we all have a megaphone in our mind. And the megaphone is what we focus on. And what we put into our mind, it will come out so much louder in our actions, in our relationships. Friend, let me just encourage you to use your megaphone of your mind to magnify, to make so much louder the promises of God, and so much louder the hope that God brings, and so much louder the truth. Because your fears also have a megaphone and, and your worries also have a megaphone and your pride also has a megaphone. Let me just tell you something that you can either magnify the promises of God or you can magnify your own fears and your own worries and your own doubts. Let me encourage you not to magnify those things that bring you worry, those things that bring regret, but let us magnify the word of God. Let us magnify the hope that God gives. And let's magnify and make louder the things that God wants us to focus on the most. I'm going to pray, and then I want to lead some of you who might want to receive Christ as your Savior in a prayer. The prayer does not save you, but believing in who Jesus is does. Uh, Let me pray for all of you uh, sitting at home, and then I'll pray for those. Who want to receive Christ as their savior. Lord, I just want to come before you right now. And God, we want to thank you for the hope that we have in you. We want to thank you for the grace that Lord, we, we can lift up. And Lord, it's your enabling grace that we need to give the credit and the glory for everything good that happens in our lives. I pray that you'll help us not to fight about petty things in our relationships. Lord, not to have needless conflicts but, Lord, to focus on our divine connection with you. And then, Lord, focus on uh, continuing to grow in our relationships with others, Lord. To grow past the fear. To grow past the pride. And, Lord, to start uh, to go beyond the curse through your grace. Lord, I pray that you would please help all of those uh, under the sound of my voice. I pray for the children. I pray for the teenagers. Lord, there's mo- many disappointments because of this virus. And Lord, I pray that you would please help them to continue to seek you, help them to get closer uh, to you as a result of this. Friend, if you're sitting at home and you've never received Christ as your Savior, I want to I encourage you uh, to reach out to God. He's calling to you. And I want to encourage you to reach out to him. And you can say something like this, Dear Lord, I know I am separated from you because of sin. And I confess that in my sin, I cannot save myself. Right now, I turn to you alone to be my Savior. And I ask you to save me from the penalty of my sin. And I trust in you to provide for me eternal life. I trust in you now, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening. If you would like to learn more about our church or how to get connected, check us out online at findnewlife.church or find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under the handle Find New Life. Have an amazing day.